right now in the spirit of the Holy Ghost that I feel. Amen. We began a journey at the beginning of this year when the Lord spoke to me, uh, actually prior to this year, but set the vision for this year, amen, as back to basics. He sent me to Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse number 16 that says this. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old and the godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. But they replied, no, that's not the road we want. So he posted watchmen over them who said, listen for the sound of the alarm. But you replied, they replied, no, we don't want to pay attention. Today we must pay attention to the preacher if we are to stay sane, saved, and find our eternal salvation. We must take the actions of the apostolic church and stand on the firm foundation of the apostolic doctrine, message, and methods. Amen. It will st stand the test of time, and it will stand in any storm. It works in every situation, every generation, and in every nation. We talked at length the first four weeks about those four building blocks of the apostolic church. We found them securely placed in the day that the church was started in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. And it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear, somebody say fear. You're going to know before you leave here what I'm talking about. Amen. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. For the first four Sundays, we talked about those building blocks of apostolic doctrine or apostolic teachings. What did the apostles teach, and what did they do, and how did they live? We talked about apostolic prayer. We talked about apostolic fellowship, which is spiritual relationships with one another, and we talked about apostolic breaking of bread which is physical relationships or doing life together next we went into extra innings which is what I told you like when a baseball game is tied at the end or a football game goes into overtime we went into extra innings because the Lord spoke to me and uh, we discovered the apostolic attitude and we dove deep before brother Randall came into the apostolic attitude and that was an attitude of gratitude thankfulness sacrifice and equality among themselves and among all people and if you weren't here for those first five weeks of back to basics i adjure you i challenge you i beg you to go back onto the facebook page or the youtube uh, channel and watch those four messages if you missed one fill in the blank Amen. If you missed two, fill in the blank. If you didn't get any of them, start at the first week and go and get caught up. The, apost the apostolic church pursued apostolic doctrine, prayer, fellowship, breaking of bread with the apostolic attitude of gratitude, sacrifice, and equality. They continued like a journey without, uh, without stopping. They did it steadfastly without wavering with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They had a pursuit that would like them, last them a lifetime. And we learned that the apostolic church met once a week in the temple square or in a corporate setting like we're in today. Then they met daily in their homes, house to house. They broke bread. They did life together. We understand through those lessons that they didn't get together every day, but it was a daily lifestyle that they did life with one another. We understand that the early church knew that converts were made in public meetings like this. And that under, we also understand that disciples were made in private meetings. We know that true life change only occurs in the context of relationship. The apostolic church had a purpose. They had power, they had popularity, and they had people. Their doctrine gave them their direction. Their power came from their prayer. Fellowship gave them favor. Breaking of bread gave them disciples, and their attitude gave them unity. Today, 
We're going to stay in extra innings. We're going once again this week and next week to back to basics. The Lord spoke to me clearly and plainly that we are to discuss these two subjects before we move on. So today, in extra innings, I'm here to scare the hell out of you. Today, I'm going to tell you, you need to be afraid. And Wednesday night, we're going to do 2.0, and I'm going to teach you that you need to be afraid. Today, I'm only going to take time to tell you. Wednesday night, I'll take you through the scriptures that will show you you had better be afraid. You see, what this world needs is an old-fashioned revival of godly fear. Now you know I need to preach. What we need, this world needs, is an apostolic anointing of the awe. Say it with me, awe. Not all, awe, A-W-E, the awe of God. Some of you are afraid of the devil, but you should be afraid of God. Some of you get ooky spooky about the devil. Ooh, I felt a bad spirit. I, ooh, I'm scared. I, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of the devil. What, what's the devil going to do? What, the devil did this. The devil did that. The devil did this. The devil did that. You're afraid of the devil, but what you need to be afraid of is God. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, Fear not them which kill the body and are not able to kill the soul, but you better fear him which is able to destroy both soul and and body in hell. I'm going to say it again. I'll say it again. I'm here to scare the hell out of you. Because if you don't have a respect for God, then you're going to face eternal judgment with that lack of respect. And there you're going to see the terror of God. Luke looked back at the apostolic church. We have learned over these five weeks that he wrote this approximately 30 years after it happened, that it is an overview and his compilation of what he saw the church in its beginning and how it had become and where it was in his day and how it was to go forward. He noted carefully among the apostolic doctrine an apostolic prayer, an apostolic fellowship, an apostolic breaking of bread. In that next 42nd, excuse me, 43rd verse, he says, And fear, fear fell upon every soul. My prayer is that before we leave this place today, or you quit listening at home, that fear falls on you, that your knees, begin to knock a little bit. That you begin to take a second thought about what you think. That you challenge the words of your mouth with the consideration of your heart before you speak. Because we need a fresh baptism of fear to fall upon every single believer. But friend of mine, fear does not leave us afraid. But it says, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Can I tell you that the goal of this message today is to restore the respect for God that he deserves. And when we restore that respect for God, it will bring power. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It will bring power. And when the power comes uh, and the power falls, uh, there will always uh, be a demonstration uh, of the power of God manifest among us. Uh, blind eyes 
will be open. Marriages will be put back together. Minds will be healed. Diseases will be cast out and conquered. I'm here to tell you when we get a, spec, a fresh respect for the Jehovah of the Old Testament who became the Jesus of the New Testament and we get a baptism of fear, it'll change the way you walk. It'll change the way you talk. We need a fresh baptism and an anointing of the awe of God. That demonstration into this world and into our lives. A demonstration to the non-believer that would cause wonders to fall upon them. The Bible said there were many signs, wonders, and miracles. We know what a miracle is, something that happens outside of nature. A wonder is something that happens that we cannot figure and it make, blows our mind. You, I wonder how that happened. Uh, wow, that, that, it's amazing. How did that happen? It's not particularly strange to me. And I move right into the message that Sister Cleo would give tongues and interpretation. She's done that many times over the 20 years or so that she's been here. I don't know, 20, I don't know how long it's been, 19, 20, whatever. She's done that, she's used in the gift. Why did that happen today? Somebody looking over goes, what's going on there? That's kind of weird. That's kind of strange. I'll tell you why. To demonstrate that God's in the house. And the gifts of the Spirit are trying to operate among us. And God is trying to manifest Himself in us and through us. Paul said, I didn't come to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. But he said, what I came to you with is a demonstration of the power and the Spirit of God. And if we want the world to take notice of the church today, we had better be something better than a country club or some sort of a special edition of society. We had better have something when they get here, and we'd better do something when we come in contact with them. We had better become the light that they need and the power that they need when they want you to pray for them. We bring this into the world. It'll shine the light into a dark world. And when it bring, you bring it into your life, the power of God, it will bring you peace. So let's talk for a few more minutes about this apostolic awe. I'm going to stay exclusively in the New Testament. Post-church formation. Acts 2 forward. On Wednesday night, I will stay exclusively in the Old Testament. And we will talk about the fear of God the Jehovah of the Old Testament. We will talk about that in detail because we learned over the last five weeks that we are a Judeo-Christian faith. The apostolic church is a Judeo-Christian. We're not a Christian faith. We're Judeo-Christian. We're founded on the Jewish church from the Old Testament is our foundation, our kinsmen, our fathers, and our footing into the New Testament church where he did not come to destroy the law but to fulfill the law. And so we stand on those two footings. Today, I will carry you through the New Testament and show you where fear was reintroduced and drug from the Old Testament or will of God into the New Testament will of God. It was not left with blood sacrifices. He became the ultimate sacrifice, so we don't need another one. But fear was in the Old Testament. And fear had better be in the New Testament. You'd better be afraid. You better not lay your head down at night without fear. You better wonder before you go to bed if he could come before I wake. Now I lay my head to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I'm telling you, you'd better think that before you lay your head down. You'd better think, am I ready? Oh, somebody needs to hear me. Am I ready right now? When you put your key in the car, to head out of this house today and to leave this parking lot, before you turn that key on, you'd better wonder if I'm going to make it home and if I'm not, am I ready to meet the Lord? I wouldn't be afraid of the highway. I'd be afraid of heaven. I wouldn't be afraid of who's coming down the road. I'd be afraid of what I'm going to face for eternity. Am I ready to meet the Lord right now? 
Let's talk about apostolic awe. In the Greek, it means to be put in fear, to be alarmed or frightened, to be afraid, extremely fearful. Are you ready? Something that strikes terror in your life. How long has it been since you've been terrorized by the thought of hell? Well, I haven't gone through so much hell, I don't even think about hell anymore. My life's so confusing and so messed up, I don't even think about eternity anymore. My God, my God, my God. You'd better take a fresh look at eternity. And you'd better do everything in your power today to make heaven your home. I spoke to a man this last week who has never been in church, never been in any service. We've known him for many years. And as we begin to talk, his lip began to quiver. And he said, I've been making some life changes. I noticed they were visible life changes. And I said, that's great. But it's not enough to lose weight. It's not enough to quit drinking. It's not enough. And these are things he had done. And not a, he was taking care of his health. He had quit drinking. It's not enough to quit smoking. Amen. It's not enough. You had better. You had better think about your soul. And I said to him, those things are awesome. And I need you to talk to me about how you did some of those. Because huh? I need some of those disciplines in my life. But I said to him, you need more than that. What you need is your soul's salvation. What you need is to know that when you lay your head down tonight, you're secure in the arms of God and you're ready to meet the Lord. The moment I said that, his eyes began to shed water. His lip, this is a grown man, a tough man, and he was on a business call, began to quiver. And he said, I know that's what I want to make sure I'm ready to meet God. I'm here to tell you, you'd better shake in your boots. You had better check some things uh, you would better wake up in the morning and say I wonder if I'm ready to meet the Lord exceedingly fearful that which strikes terror another place it's referred to as the dread of the Lord what could be dreadful about a God that loves you I'll tell you what's dreadful about a God that loves you is judgment day. When you stand before him. Hey, I'm not preaching this for no purpose. I'm preaching this because as I begin to pray, i got to stop and do an interlude here because some of you are checking out on me. Some of you are just deflecting like crazy. Just boom, that's just water off a duck's back. Well, he'll get through with this and we'll go on to next week. But I'm preaching this for a purpose because I was praying. I said, God... We need signs, wonders, and miracles. We need the apostolic power. When I pray, I want to see you heal people like you did in the book of Acts. I, I want to see you raise the dead. I want to see you put marriages and lives and minds back together. I want to see you give people the power to stop and to start stuff. And the Lord said, they don't fear me anymore. And where there's no fear of God, there's no power of God. Some of you are more afraid of the devil than you are of God. I'm preaching to you or listening on that camera out there. You're more afraid of COVID-19 than you are of God. I'm speaking to you in the Holy Ghost. I talk to you in the Holy Ghost as the man of God. If you don't like what I'm saying, change the channel. Click me off right now, but I speak to you in the Holy Ghost. You're more afraid of COVID-19 than you are of God. He said, don't be afraid of that which can destroy the body. But what you'd better be afraid of is that which can destroy the body and the soul you give a respect you give six foot distance to a disease and a virus you can't see but you won't give space in, to, for God in your life oh we better get a fresh anointing of the awe of God a fresh fear a fear that brings Respect. I, I, I'm, I'm going strange now. And I've taken this out and I put it back in. And I've taken it out and I put it back in. And I took it out and I'm going to put it back in. Right now. And I, Brother Lenny, stand up and come here. Stop right there. Turn sideways. Lift your shirt up. Lift your shirt up. 
on the side right there. Is that what you are you carrying today? Nope. Who's carrying today? Come on, Rob. I know where it's going. See, y'all don't know where it's going. Come on. Come on up here. I've taken it out, put it back in. I've taken it out. Some of y'all are going to get very nervous right now. Some of you are going to get very fearful right now. Can we see your sidearm, please? Would you very carefully unload that? See? You see that? Okay. You see that? Take it easy. He's from Chicago. They don't hunt rabbits with these up there. See, there's been men in the military for how many years? 27 years. Professionals. These are professionals. Been in the military all these years. They're there to, to uh, uh, we got to run away. That's all right. Hey, you can't upstage a kid. Amen. I love it. Suffer the little children to come unto me. This is exactly what Jesus had in mind. Hey, you just made online, son. 8,400 people. You just, they just saw you. Way to go. Amen. Even though he's been in the military all these years, he's respectful of this firearm. He's professional and trained to use this and others and bigger than this. When, when he handed it to me, he never pointed it at me. He very carefully just took out the magazine. See, I didn't even want to point it to him just now. And the, and the breach is open and the magazine is gone and, and the chamber is clear. But even with all of that, what do you do when your kid even points a cap gun? At somebody's face or something. You don't point that at them. Don't do that. You know why? Because even an unloaded gun commands respect from us. We are fearful and rightfully so of this firearm because this firearm could take your life. But Jesus said, you better not just be afraid of that. That may take your life, but it's me you're going to stand before in the day of judgment. And I'm going to judge you without mercy, and I'm going to judge you without grace, and I'm going to judge you without... He said, you had better think about me. You give this gun, thank you very much, more respect, amen, than you give God. You give firearms and automobiles and your, I'm going to preach, your job, your boat, your golf clubs, your leisure time. What? What? now I got to get away. I got to have my time. I got to have my space. I need my time. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody in the Holy Ghost. Uh, you need a fresh anointing and a fresh falling fire of the fear of God. You need it to fall on you like never before. You need to say, God, baptize me with a, a, a reality that if I'm not ready, I'm going to spend an eternity in hell. Dread for that day of judgment lest you meet him unprepared. I'm telling you what Luke noticed about the early church. Not just their doctrine. Not just their powerful prayers. Not just their fellowship that they called one another brother and sisters in the Lord and they were family and that they bought and sold and sold their goods and parted to every man that had need and did life together and cared for each other. Not just their attitude of sacrifice and gratitude and equality among them, but he also noted that there was a fear of the Lord upon them. Now, Luke stands 30 years in the future from the day that this occurrence that he's looking at the start of the church but he's looking across the time spectrum of acts chapter 5 which he writes three chapters later and what we see in acts chapter 5 ought to scare the hell out of you it's not scaring some of you some of you are not even paying attention to me some of you going to the kitchen to get another pepsi cola Watching Jesus in your jammies this morning. This ought to scare you to death at home. You ought not sleep good tonight if you're not right with God. If you've not challenged yourself and said, Have I done everything I could 
to save my soul. He did it on the cross. He gave his life for me. What do I need to do? What men and brethren, what must I do to be saved? Uh, he said you had better repent of your sins. Uh, you, that means to serve God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Well, I'm doing the best I can. Oh, no, you're not afraid of God anymore. You're not afraid of the power of God anymore. You're not afraid of what might happen. You're not, you have no revival of fear in your life. You just do whatever you want to do and pretend that God's okay and cool with it because judgment is reserved for a day later to come. I'll preach about it on Wednesday night or teach about it in the Old Testament. The same day you sinned in the mouth of two or three witnesses, you were stoned. Judgment fell on you. So fear was a really a fresh thing for them. Fear could happen any day to them. This could be the day that a stone bashes your brains out. This could be the day that you could have to uh, uh, go to and pay penance for what you've done. But no, for us... It's reserved into a day of judgment. And because judgment doesn't fall suddenly, somehow or another, we seem to think God is cool with our crimes of sin. We think God's okay with our half-hearted attitude and our pretend worship and our play church and our play lives. We better, if we want to see what they saw in the book of Acts, signs, wonders, and miracles, we had better get a fresh respect for the power of God. The early actions of the apostles we see in the reality of Acts chapter 5. We see that fear that God reinstitutes in the New Testament from the Old Testament. The Bible says in Acts chapter 5 in verse number 1, but a certain man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira if you're here today, your name is Sapphira or Ananias, I, I, I pray for you. Don't do that to your kids. A certain man named Ananias with wife named Sapphira sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it. Now let me explain what's going on. In the fourth chapter, the chapter just previous to this, people begin to sell their lands and their houses and begin to bring that money to the feet of the apostles to be redistributed so that none would have little and none would have too much. We talked about equality and they're doing life together. They helped a brother out. They helped each other out. He said, how can you say the love of God is in you? How can you shut up your bowels of compassion and say the love of God when you see a brother in need, but instead feed that brother, help that brother, put them on their feet, give them a hand up. We talked about that last week. And that is the environment of the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. But the fifth chapter is a hellish story that we don't teach our children in Sunday school. And if we did, we don't teach it good enough. These are not bedtime stories. Don't read this to Johnny and Susie before they lay down at night. The story about the man and the woman that went to church and got consumed in the church house before they left, turned into ashes, burnt from fire from heaven, probably a lightning bolt struck them in the middle of a meeting because they had planned and privately schemed against God. They had schemed against God. I'm preaching to you in the Holy Ghost. If I've ever been on time, it's right now. You may not understand it, but I'm trying to get us if God tarries to next week. Because next week, we're going to talk about a demonstration of power. Next week, we're going to talk about what comes when fear is restored. Next week, we're going to talk about signs, wonders, and miracles. And I'm going to believe God that we're going to start seeing them. But if we want to see them, we had better get a fresh revival of fear. Of God. They stay at home. 
They get up at 4 in the morning to go to work. And won't make 10.30 service. I'm talking to you in the Holy Ghost. You know I'm talking to you. They let a fear that comes from a government, principalities, atheists, doctors, and scientists fall on them. And I have, a, I have a healthy respect for COVID. Always did, always will, and still caught it. Let that fear fall on you. Tremble and let it change your entire life. But when a preacher starts talking about fearing God, you don't let God change your life. Let it lock you up, not let you out, tell you how to walk, tell you how to talk, tell you how to dress. But when the man of God or the word of God declares something, you're like, well, I don't know. I'm in the Holy Ghost. And in an apostolic New Testament outpouring of the Holy Ghost, just like we had here this morning, in a public meeting, these people schemed at home against God. And in their heart, they said, let's go to church and let's play church like Barnabas did and Josie did. Let's, let's play church. Let's, let's take an offering and play like we're giving everything. Let's, let's keep back part of it for ourselves and, and just play like we're like everybody else and pretend because, you see, they were living in the love of God. They had a fresh fire and a new anointing from the Holy Ghost. These are people that were baptized in Jesus' name and full of the Holy Ghost and knew what it felt like to have good godly goosebumps run up and down their spine. But somewhere they thought the Jehovah, fear of the Jehovah, the Old Testament, didn't cross the divide into the New Testament and that somehow or another Jesus liberated them from the possibility of judgment. They lost their fear of the Lord, so they just did whatever they wanted said, well, here's what's going to happen. We're going to take this in. I'm going to take this offering in to church, and I'm going to lay it at the feet of the apostles. Peter tells Ananias when he does it, he goes, dude, what is wrong with you? Now, that's Texas talking. What's up? Man, all the money was yours. You didn't have to give any of it. You could have come and said, Here's 50,000. We kept 50,000 for the 401k. That's all cool. But you conspired with your wife to lie to the Holy Ghost. You forgot the fear of God. You thought you could walk into a Sunday morning service and act in the old kind of way. God not take notice. I'll tell you, it was God that moved on you, Sister Cleo, to give tongues and interpretation. And the tongues and the interpretation were not as important as the fact that you were obedient to God and you acted under the unction of an all-seeing and all-knowing God who is here right now. He demonstrated his position and his place in this, in this house today, not just in the power of a pulpit or a preacher, but in the signs and wonders that are to come among us. Yes, if this is your first time, that was a little weird. It's called supernatural, beyond nature. But if we want to see the power of God in our lives today, we had better get a fresh respect for what God is doing. You say, well, uh, uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't lie to God. He didn't lie to God. He just told Peter a lie. That's not what God saw. You hear me. I'm going to preach it. You may not like it. It ain't about me. God may call me home tomorrow. It ain't about me. You can leave here and go somewhere else. It ain't about that other pastor. Well, I didn't lie to God. I was just playing games with the preacher. I was just making a mockery of the things of church, the house of God. I, I thought it was cool for me to be faithful to the job, but not faithful to the house of God. 
I didn't, I didn't disrespect God. I, I didn't lie to God. I, I thought it was cool to pay my boat note and my truck note and my house note and my cable bill, but not give God what's his. I didn't lie. I didn't cheat. I didn't steal from God. I just didn't turn it in at the church. You see, God didn't see a difference. The things of God are holy unto God. Literally, the word holy means set apart unto God. Now, I'll be honest with you. Without cologne and toothpaste, I stink. You got the picture, Mike. Mike just put his head there and said, oh, God. I'm just like you. But when I'm standing in this pulpit, God chose by the foolishness of preaching to save them which would believe. How shall they hear unless there is a preacher? And how shall he preach unless he is sent? In other words, there is somebody that puts him in that position of authority in their life. You can't even receive, have your faith stirred up without somebody proclaiming and preaching the word of God. He has placed in your life the fivefold ministry. And in my life, I have a pastor also that can speak into my life, that can talk to me because I don't want to think I'm in this all by myself. I don't want to be a law into myself. I want somebody to be able to speak to me before judgment falls in my life. Someone to stand in a pulpit and preach and proclaim a message to me. Someone to get on the phone, my bishop, to get on the phone and say, hey, Carrie, you need to come talk to me. We need to get some things straight. God told me. God said, I need. And when he gets through talking because of the respect and the fear that I have of that man, I trust he's heard from God. And I'm here to tell you You'd better get a fresh anointing for the man of God in your life. You'd better get a fresh baptism. And if that's not me, go find you another one. Go find you somebody you can submit to. Somebody you can say, you can discipline me. You can lead me. I'm going to trust you to feed me. I'm going to trust you to guard me. I'm going to trust you to guide me. I'm going to trust you to lead me in these crazy times and say, I'm going to listen for the voice of the God to come out of your mouth. He could have made a legalistic argument that he didn't lie to God. He just lied to the man of God. He didn't mock God. He just mocked the house of God and the other people of God by pretending. But it didn't happen. His destruction and his judgment didn't fall when he came to church. His judgment happened at the house when he decided to conspire with his wife and make a mockery of his faith. He said, hey, let's do this. Let's play the game. Let's pretend. Let's act like. And so the Bible said, as he came forward and laid it at the feet of the apostles, he said, here's the money. And he brought it and laid it there. Can you imagine judgment falling at offering? Can you imagine Judgment didn't fall in the altar call. Didn't fall when the praise team was singing. It didn't even fall while the preacher was preaching. It fell at offering time when Jesus was looking, just like he did when he was on earth. The Bible said he sat by the treasury and he took note of what each person put in. And he noticed that this widow gave a mite and he said this woman has given. You know why? Because money is the only thing that really gives God a run for his money. And it's either the love of God, you're going to trust God, he said, or you're going to trust mammon. And so he came in and when they set that down at the offering time, huge sum of money. Huge sum of money. Set it down. Walked away. Perfect Pentecostal. Got all kinds of sin and crud in my life. Paid my tithes. Came to church today. What's he on me? Get on the other folks. I'm here. They're not. Look at me. Me and the wife. 
game in God at home. Me and the wife have been pretending that this is just tiddlywinks. Me and the wife have been playing like God's not God. God don't see and God don't hear. God don't understand. I'm here to tell you, you may have walked into a house of judgment today where God exposes and cuts deep into your heart and saves your soul in the fear of the Lord in this place. And he said, why have you lied to the Holy Ghost? Me, me. He said, you've lied to the Holy Ghost. And he said, fire's going to fall in and while he spoke, he said he kept part of it. He, and, he, and, he, and he said, why Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price? And while it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thy own power? And why hast thou conceived this thing in your heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but you've lied unto God. Barnabas, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. The young men, oh, excuse me, I missed the most important part. Verse 5, Ananias, hearing these things, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great, say it with me, in great fear came upon all them that, so not just saw it, but heard it. And the young men rose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours afterwards when his wife, playing the same game, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter gave her an opportunity on a Sunday morning, just like you have today, to hear the voice of the Lord. Tell me, sister, Sophia, Sapphira, tell me whether you sold the land for this much or not you would have thought that that would have been a clue you would have thought when tongues and interpretation went out earlier in this service that that would have been a clue that God was here but some people still are pretending God's not in the house you would have thought they would have responded and reasoned and reckoned with the reality that God really is real and he's watching and he's listening tell me if you sold the land for so much. But you see, she had already conceived in her heart with her husband this hideous lie towards heaven. How can I lie to heaven, Sister Placker? How can I lie to God who knows my thoughts before I think them, my words before I speak them? How am I going to play like God doesn't know my sin or my secrets? What kind of joke am I? Trying to pull on God to pretend that he doesn't see and know all things. But you see, the reason she had conceived it in her heart, because in that place where that conception of that sin was, respect and fear for God was supposed to exist. Because if you got a fresh respect for God, Ricky, when that sin starts to lie to you and tell you, I'll say this and say that and do this and do that, you say to it, oh, no, 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 no. I can't do that. Somebody help me right now. I can't do that. God knows all. God sees all. And God's watching. God, I'm telling you, there needs to be a fresh fear of God fall in our lives right now. And he said, how is it that you've agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord, to tempt? the Spirit of the Lord, to poke at God. See if you wake up. Dog don't bite. See? He won't bite me. See, look, he's just backing up until you back him in a corner. You think you're backing up God? Thank God because he doesn't strike you dead with lightning or have you fall over with a heart attack in church that everything's okay. You just keep poking him, 
poking him. I'm preaching in the Holy Ghost. I wish my praying people would help me preach right now because I'm reaching for somebody in the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to save your soul. I don't care if you leave here mad at me as long as you have a fresh fear of God and a fresh... I don't care if you're mad at home as long as you have a fresh fear and a fresh respect for God. You think what you're doing at home is more important than what's happening in the house of God? You think you're safer on your job or in Walmart than you are coming back to church? I'm here to tell you, you would better get a fresh respect for God. Why'd you agree with your husband to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold! See those boys back there on the back row? Stand up. Stand up, Joe. Stand up, Joe. Stand up. There you go. There's one. Come on, Joseph. Stand up with you. Joshua, I'm sorry. Uh, forgive me. Joshua, see these two guys? See these two guys? They're going to carry you out. See, we, we don't tell this story enough. We don't, it was real. This was New Testament. This was not Old Testament. See these ushers? They're going to roll you up. He's speaking to a woman who's still alive. These same guys that buried your husband three hours ago. We're going to roll you up in your garments and go out and dig a hole beside your husband and are going to, are you listening? And are going to bury you beside him because you did not have a fresh respect for God. I'm asking them to come. I'm not through, but the Holy Ghost is going to move on somebody right now. Because if you know how to pray, you need to pray right now. If you know how to pray, you need to pray. The Bible said the spirit left her. She fell straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came and found her dead and carried her forth, buried her by her husband. And it said a while ago, fear came upon all, all them, and now it says great fear came upon all the church and as many as heard these things. This would be a sad commentary of a New Testament church if we stopped in the 11th verse. Thank God for the 12th verse. Because as the page turns and the 12th verse falls from the lips of Luke, it says, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest of the crowd, their snowman joined himself to them. In other words, they approached them reverently. The crowd took note of what God was doing in the church. And that crowd of the people magnified them. So the, the world starts talking about what's happening in the church. The crowd starts talking about what's happening. And then watch what happens. And believers were the more added to the Lord, both multitude of men and women. I'm not preaching just so you can be nervous, have anxiety. You don't need to have any of that. You don't need to even be perfect. You just need to be open and honest before God. Right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, you just need to say, God, you see me. I don't want to play games with you. I, I don't want to face you in judgment playing games 
God. But in this house today, I want to hear and I want to respect for the things of God to follow me. I've been in services like this. I've been in Pentecost all my life. My dad and mother raised me all my life. I, I was out in the world a sinner, but I was a transgressor. There's never been a day in my life I wasn't an apostolic Pentecostal. I was a backslider. Don't get me wrong. For about five years of my life, I, I was away from God. And I was as deep in sin as you can get. But I'm trying to tell you, I go way back. And I know what it's like for preachers to preach messages like I preach today. You listen to me. I was in a service one time and a guy spoke over a crowd. And he said, there's going to be three deaths to prove this word. People went out of that place. He said three deaths within the next week. Went out of that place. Many fell on their face before God. Some of them went out of that place and said, Oh, he spoke death over somebody's life. He was not speaking death over somebody's life. He saw into the future. God allowed him to foresee through the gift of prophecy three deaths that were coming in the next week to prove that God sees all and knows all. God didn't kill somebody to prove his word. They were going to die anyway. He just had the man of God see through prophecy something that was about to happen so that a fresh fire and a fresh respect for God would fall in their life. Please don't make fire fall. Judgment come. God's not spoken anything to me. I don't have a word to scare you. I just have the word to scare you. And if there's anything I'm trying to do today is to scare you out of hell and to scare hell out of you. That pretending and that playing, you say, well, Brother Sharp, I've come here. I've come here with sin in my life. I've come here less than perfect. Then you should run boldly to the throne of God right now. He said, don't be afraid to face me in your sorrow and your sin. Don't be afraid with your failures to face me come to me like a child runs to a father and say I need help right now would you begin to call on the name of the Lord in this house I need help if you want to move from where you're at to come and pray if you want to kneel and pray whatever the Holy Ghost falls on you right now that's what I want you to do if you want to come to the front come to the front amen whatever you feel to do but right now in this house would you just get honest with God God, you, you know all, you see all, and see the honesty of my heart. I can't stop without you, and I, I can't start without you, and I can't make it, God. Trying to get somebody in this place to get a fresh reality that God still sees and knows and feels. He sees what others doesn't see. That's it. Sister Nicole, she's not afraid. She's more afraid of God than she is what you think of her. She's more afraid of God than what you think of her. Somebody ought to find their face buried in a pew, buried on the carpet. What's somebody going to think? Oh, you need to be afraid of God. You need to be afraid of God. What do I do? I'm in the presence of God. Repent of your sins. Say, God, I want to serve you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Reassure that today. You've been baptized in the name of Jesus. If you haven't, we'll baptize you today in the name of Jesus. Secure your salvation. Open your heart to the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And you'll know you've been supernaturally filled when you begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God pours His power into you. If you're in this place and you've been playing games with God, this is your opportunity, Ananias, to repent before the fire falls of judgment in your life. You've been playing games with God, Sapphira. This is your opportunity. Shakoyari Abosha Taya.
Hallelujah. This is your opportunity. You've got your life all out of order. Everything else is more important than the things of God. And what I want is more important than what He wants. You better get your schedule ordered. You better make your priorities. You better set your priorities right. I'm preaching to you in the Holy Ghost. That job you worship could be gone in a moment. Don't make God move that. Take that job He blessed you with. Don't do it. I'm preaching to you. I'm trying to scare you out of hell. Don't make that wife leave you for somebody else before you decide to be a man of God. Don't make that husband reject you before you decide to receive the power of God in your life. I'm telling you, just fall on your face before God before judgment comes. Sapphira, what you been doing? She could have said, oh God, forgive me. She could have said, oh God, forgive me. I've been playing games. You've got that opportunity in this house today to say, God, help me, forgive me. I want to be ready. I want to be right. And to leave here with a fresh respect of God and a fresh comfort in the Holy Ghost. Fresh comfort in the Holy Ghost. That my heart's clean with God. My provision is clean. I've done everything I can do. I've made commitments and faith to God today. Brother Sharp, why are you preaching like this? Why are you preaching like this, Brother Sharp? Because I want to see the power of the book of Acts fall. I'm hungry for signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm hungry for deaf ears to be open, blind eyes to be unstopped. Hungry for marriages to be healed, minds to be secured. When we lay hands on someone, something to happen again. God said, if they'll get a fresh respect, a fresh and an apostolic respect for God, then you'll see apostolic signs. I know I'm preaching to somebody at home. I know I'm reaching for you. Hear me through the internet. Receive the word and return. You don't have to lay your head down tonight in sorrow. You don't have to lay your head down tonight and not know that you're secure in the arms of God. But right now you can make that commitment in faith in those actions of obedience. You can be baptized. You can be open to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, secured by His name, secured by His Spirit. Sealed by the Holy Ghost, waiting and looking for the day of judgment. Not as one with dread, but as one with respect. He said, God, I've loved you with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all of my strength. I've given it everything I've got. And even when I've fallen, I didn't stay down and I didn't turn around. I got back up. Somebody right now, would you stand to your feet as this congregation stands? If you're able to stand, would you stand with me? And say, I may have been knocked down, but I'm not staying down right now. Come on. I may have sinned and fallen, but I'm not staying down. I may have made a mistake and a bad decision, but I ain't turning around today. I got my eyes fixed on judgment. I got my eyes fixed on judgment. Lord, baptize us with apostolic awe. Jesus. Oh, prove yourself among us. Oh, it's been so long. Oh, He's here in this house not to condemn you, but to save you. 
turn around. 